This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14? My name is Darren. I'm one of the pastors here. Super stoked uh, to be back. I've been out of the saddle for a couple of weeks and uh, I blew the cobwebs out this morning. First service a little rough, second service a little less rough. So I'm, I'm looking forward to dialing in for this one uh, with it. Uh, and while you're turning there, we were just, the reason my wife was in North Carolina, she loved vacation so much, she took an extra day, but I flew back yesterday so I could be here this morning. Because I love you guys. She does too. Sorry, she does too. <laughs> just not enough to come back yesterday. Um, <laughs> well, no, I'm about, to, I'm about to really say something nice about you. So oh, that's why I'm coming real close. Um, we, were, uh, we stayed in this lovely condo. Have you, ever, have you heard of the outer, the outer Banks? You know about the Outer Banks? Yeah. I know that Williamson County, Middle Tennessee, we're, we're like 30A people. You know what I mean? You see more people at Publix there that you know than you do at the Publix at Berry Farms. Uh, I didn't see anybody that we knew in Outer Banks. Uh, but on Tuesday in our little condo, my son, who is uh, 17, uh, was coming out of his room, and he squealed, squawked, screamed. It was this sort of, I don't know, an amalgamation of noises uh, that was simultaneously terror. And, uh, and he can be a little dramatic, and by a little, he can be dramatic. Like if the sisters are all, he's got three sisters. Like he's way the most dramatic of all of us. But this guy, he literally levitated over. So he screams, squawks, squeals, and then proceeds to levitate over something. And by something, what I mean is this. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to give you a trick. Trigger warning. If you're scared of snakes, he... Inside our condo in Wilmington, North, or wherever we were, Indian Beach, North Carolina. Now, if you're a redneck like me, I want you to pay real special close attention to the triangle head. Those are a problem. A big enough problem that when I notified the, uh, the management of the condo, they sent like an army of rednecks <laughs> on a golf cart. Just, I mean, it was mullets and guys that have, I mean, chain smoked a lot. You know what I mean? Like you could tell there were no filters in this guy's cigarettes for a long time when he spoke. And he's, uh, we should say, colorful metaphors, um, emergency language. Oh, boy, that's a, that's a water moccasin right there. And, and this thing was, I mean, it was five, six in- inches. It was actually really small. <laughs> I'm 70% sure it's not poisonous. What's the head supposed to mean? It's like if it's, if it's a big triangle, then it's poisonous. It might be a triangle. I'm gonna need something way more than that. Oh, come on. Dad, Mom, we think it's poisonous. It's not poisonous for sure. Is it not? I can't tell if the head's a triangle or not. He was angry. They all kind of look like triangles. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> now, the rest of the story is I've got to hand in my man card tonight which I don't have, so I've got my concealed carry permit. I'm giving that to my wife, yeah. Because, because while my 
children and I were trying to figure out whether or not this thing was poisonous. My wife go gets a couple of like cups out of the cabinet. They're like the Pizza Hut cups. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the red see-through diner cups and, takes, and literally scoops two of them together and picks this snake up and takes it outside. Um, my wife did that. Which is funny because I don't know that she thought it was poisonous um, at the point, because we're not, I mean, you know, we, we live out in the country and you see snakes all the time and none of them are poisonous, it's, you know. But that one very much was, and uh, yeah, she picked it up, took it out, and she at that point became what I, the biblical language would be parakletos, which is the word that is used in the book of John chapter 14 to describe the Holy Spirit, the helper. <laughs> <laughs> the assistant, the, the snake catcher, if you will. We are given authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. And in this case, my uh, paracletos uh, didn't trample on, but picked up the snake uh, and took it outside and saved the day for our home. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus is introducing an idea to the disciples. This is the longest sermon, if you will, that Jesus is recorded as teaching in the New Testament. All four Gospels, this is the longest one. He is sitting at a table. He's about to get up, and they're going to go. In fact, they're headed from here to the Garden of Gethsemane, of which we are actually going to be at in Israel this uh, this February. Like, There's a lot of places where like, we think this is it, maybe that, but Gethsemane is one of those places. We actually know that that's where it was. So they're going to head towards Gethsemane from here, but they're still at the table right now, and Jesus is telling them, your lives are about to get infinitely more complicated. Your lives are about to get way more scary, and the future is way too scary to not be a Pentecostal, okay? That's not exactly how he words it, but he starts talking about the Holy Spirit, and for chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17, he's going to alternate between love, love your neighbor as yourself, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, and talking about the Holy Spirit. They are not separate from each other, they are connected to each other. And so in the next few weeks, as we go through the summer, we're going to do Summer in the Spirit. We're going to do a series within a series right? This is the believe, right? John chapter 20, I wrote these things that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, right? That he's the Messiah, that son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life. That's the whole purpose of the book of John. But inside of it, it's like inception, right? We're doing a sermon within a sermon, a series within a series. We're going a step deeper into believe and the Holy Spirit and specifically the spirit of truth, which is what Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as in chapter 14. We're just going to read tonight verses 15 through 21, and then we're going to cover a few more as the, as the message goes on here. So verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate. Now, if you've got a King James or a ESV, you're gonna, that word advocate is where the word parakletos comes from. You'll see comforter. You'll see words uh, like helper, advocate. There, there's multiple words with it because there is no real word to capture the idea of what this word means. 
it's a word that they actually used in Greek culture as a, like, a, like a lawyer, like it was a legal term. Like a, a parakletos was like your advocate, your, your lawyer. But it was so much more deeper than even that. So I'm going to send you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Verse 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and he will be in you. It's important language there. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, verse 20, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and I will show myself to them. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we are approaching your word, we approach it with expectation. Uh, You Holy Spirit, you're, you're a teacher, you're a counselor, you're a reminder of those things that you've said. This is not an academic exercise. This is a spirit-filled encounter with the words of the living God. And I pray that those words are life and a lamp to us. Father, would you be with our brothers and sisters, the other churches in our community, those that are and are not gathering on Sunday nights. I know up the street at Church of the City, they're gathering on Sunday evenings. Would you be with Darren and Brandy and that whole team as they lift up the name of Jesus, just like we are here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, if you grew up charismatic, where are my Pentecostal people that grew up that way? Wideman, I know you. Right, so about, like, it's about four of us. Most of the Pentecostals were already in the morning and they're running laps and we, you know. Um, Tony is right. So we got some Pentecostals here. When you hear Holy Spirit, you get kind of excited. Giddy up. Because that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, you get excited. Now there are those that grew up maybe more of a mainline denomination, uh, elder board, you know, like the Holy Spirit's not allowed to move without prior written permission of the elder board didn't get the request in on time, so it was denied. You know, um, the, you, you've got that side of it, you've got this other side, but somewhere between these two sides, there's this middle where Jesus promised us this Holy Spirit. And wouldn't you, wouldn't I, want to know who that Holy Spirit is and get as much as there is to get? To put it differently, if, you, if, if there was more, like if God said, hey, look, I, I've given you my son, I've given you forgiveness and all that, I've given you a relationship. But if he said, and there's more, remember the old Ginzu knife commercials? But wait, there's more, right? It slices, it dices, it can cut a tomato in a can, but wait, there's more. If there's more, wouldn't you want it? Just as we're going through the summer, ask yourself that question. If there's more, wouldn't I want that? Now, as you are thinking through this, I mean, I know it's summer, there's lots of reading going on. You guys that are not at 38 this week will probably be there next week, and you're looking for your summer read. If you're looking to learn, to read, to study about the Holy Spirit, these are three books that I, 
highly recommend. There's many more out there. These, I tried to narrow them down. There's actually one that is not on here that I do recommend, and I'll start with that. It's a guy named Jack Deere called Surprised by the Spirit. He was a theology professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and was rewarded by being fired, which is what you would expect, I guess, Uh, but has an incredible book called Surprised by the Spirit that really impacted me deeply. Robert Morris is a more modern uh, he's a pastor in Dallas, The God I Never Knew. Uh, it's an easy read, but it's very broad as far as an explanation of the Holy Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, you know if your theologian has three names, that's a good one. So, uh, so uh, yeah, so that's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was um, a, pres- a reformed Presbyterian, but filled with the Spirit guy. So great meat and, and, and approaches it from an intellectual but also spiritual. And I highly recommend R.T. Kendall. So if you can't have three first names, then you should have a, a, two initials and a name. So from henceforth, I will be known as D.L. Tyler. <laughs> the Word and the Spirit by R.T. Kendall. I love this because what Kendall says is that you can find yourself where in one extreme where we're a word church, we're a word, Bible, Bible, word, Bible. That is us. We are word, word, Bible, Bible, 100%. And the other side is you could get spirit, 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 spirit. We'll get to the Bible eventually, but it's spirit, spirit, spirit. And what he is saying and the case that he is making here is these are not mutually exclusive ideas. They are intertwined, inextricably intertwined. The word and the spirit, that's why it's called the spirit of truth. And then if you're not a reader, which some of you may not be, Josh Howerton is young. Uh, he was, many of you probably know him. He was a pastor at the bridge uh, in Spring Hill for many years. Uh, he's worked with Stephen Sargent a lot over the years. He, they're friends. His series from Lake Point Church, if you Google Lake Point Church, Josh Howerton more. There's, I think, a five or six week series on the Holy Spirit. It's 30 minute sermons. He is a way better preacher than me. I'm better looking, but he is a better preacher. And uh, it's very, in 30 minute nuggets, very comprehensive look at the Holy Spirit from a Baptist, no doubt. So we got a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a charismatic. I'm trying to cover everybody so that we can see that this isn't just a one, uh, a one line thing. There's, this is across multiple denominations where the Holy Spirit is alive and well. Now that said, as a Christian, I want to say this, that when you come to Christ, that there are three experiences that all of us in our walks with Jesus have available to us that are like experiences that are like, um, like a flag in the ground moment in your faith with Christ. And a lot of them, actually all three of them are surrounding the word baptism. The first one is the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12, and it speaks of your salvation. At the moment of salvation, you are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 20, when the disciples, after Jesus' resurrection, it says that he breathed into them the pneuma, the Holy Spirit, and he says, be filled with the Spirit. In that moment, they received salvation. In that moment, they were born again. 
again. And the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, when you read through that, speaks of how it is that it is the Holy Spirit that now baptizes you into Christ. The second one is what we just saw this evening, where disciple, a follower of Jesus, baptizes you in water. And what we see tonight is they were leaving behind an old life. It's what we see all the way back even into Exodus. The people of Israel went into the water. They came out the other side and their life of slavery and death was drowned behind them. That's water baptism. It does not save you. It tells the world, it's like my wedding ring, that it is your outward sign of a decision that you have made. It is me telling the world that I am married to Shannon. It doesn't make me married, but it tells the world that I am married. And the third is what we're going to be speaking of some over the summer, is Jesus filling you with the Holy Spirit baptizing you in the Spirit. The Spirit comes on you. Matthew 3.11, there's one coming after me. He will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. We saw that in John as well. Speaking of John the Baptist, baptism was a, was a water baptism, but this is a different baptism. It's a subsequent baptism. And I know that there are those, some in this room, you're thinking, Darren, the number one and two, those are actually the same thing as number three. There is no number three. But think with me. The disciples breathed into, be filled with the Spirit. You are saved. And then in Acts chapter 2, those same disciples who had been filled with the Spirit now had the Holy Spirit come on them and had a subsequent experience. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Have you had that subsequent experience? And you might be like, I think it's Acts chapter 19, where Paul got to the church, I think it was in Galatia, asked them, have you been filled with the Spirit since you believed? And they said, we didn't know there was a Spirit. What are you even talking about? They're believers, they're disciples, they're Christians. They have been filled with the Spirit, but they had not received that subsequent experience of the Holy Spirit since they believed. Now, I want to acknowledge this and get it out of the way that many, especially if you've been around Jesus or the church for a long time, if you haven't been, you don't have any baggage at all. So for, you know, just cut me some slack. I just want to cover this for those of us who have. For the most part, when people talk about the Holy Spirit, your butt cheeks get real tight because you think the next thing I'm going to start talking about is tongues. So can I just acknowledge that, that, that you're nervous about that? And can I acknowledge that also that in the book of Acts, six times, Six times it speaks of someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. Three times they spoke in other tongues. Three times they did not. So if you're afraid that that's going to ha I have to do this to have a sign that I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just say that half of the people filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts then didn't get the whole, if you know what I'm saying, if that's the only sign, then there were three groups of people in the, whole, in the book of Acts that didn't get that. I'm here to say that it is a sign, and we could talk about it at some point, what, what it means and how it happens and all that. But we can also say that you don't have to freak out because it's not the only, it's not, I would, in fact, I'd go to so far as to say that it is not a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is Acts chapter one says, you will receive power to become my witnesses. And that's the main you power to do your calling. And then the second is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, right? Love, peace, 
long-suffering. That's the proof. That's how we know that there is fruit on this tree and what kind of tree it is, is by the fruit that it grows and the fruit of the spirit. So those are the two signs. You get power for your calling and fruit to, uh, to show that you're a Christian. Your life is being transformed. So that's the three experiences that you can have. And if you haven't had water baptism, you can get baptized before you leave tonight. We got extra towels and I'll bet we got some uh, extra hoodies back there we can send you home in. We can water baptize your butt right now if you want. <laughs> And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, I would just ask you to think, to pray, and to ask, God, if there's more, I want it. Jesus said, man, I, whoever asked for the Holy Spirit, if you, you being you know, evil parents, you know how to give your kids good gifts. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to all who asks? If you ask him, he's not going to give you a false spirit. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to talk about this summer. The truth, the spirit, the spirit of truth. The truth, and for this first week, I want you to see that the truth the spirit of truth brings comfort, the spirit of truth brings wisdom, and the spirit of truth brings peace. Those are the three things in these verses that you see. You see him listed as a comforter, like an advocate. You see that and now you're going to know how to live, so you're talking, you get wisdom in this. And peace is, you know, peace I leave with you. You don't need to, I can't give you what the world's going to give you, but I can leave you with peace. Those three things. And truth right now is under attack in America in a way that is unparalleled. Brad, I know you know that. Like that's half of your mission right now. Well, probably 100% of your mission right now. But is that truth is under attack. And if you don't think it is, this is happening in Utah for crying out loud right now. Right now in Utah, a school board of a very large school district voting to remove the Bible from the school library because it's vulgar. Truth is under attack in our country. And that's why we need the comforter. Because it's the comforter that says we can look at the truth of what's going on in the world and not have to be panicked by it. We don't ignore it, but we also don't have to be panicked by it because we have a comforter that's just like Jesus was about. The disciples are going to watch him be crucified. It was a horrible experience, but they have had, have, and continue to have today a comforter to walk you through a world that is upside down. The comforter. He says that if you love me, you'll keep my commands and I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate. The word there, the Greek language word there is actually another of the same. In other words, it's Jesus is here, but I'm going to give you another one version of me, right? The Holy Spirit that is not going to be Jesus beside you, but God inside you. In fact, he's going to go on to say that it's better that I go away, which if you're the disciples, you're like, this is terrible. This is there's no way this is better. But when Jesus was on earth and when he was in a, a physical body, you had to, it's like going to the, we were ordering over vacation, every place you went, you'd order, and then you have to go stand, get your number and, and step aside. 
You know what I'm saying? Take a number and step aside. You had to wait because it's only one person behind the counter because apparently in North Carolina, especially, they still can't find enough people to, to work. So take a number and step aside. In the days when Jesus was on the earth, you had to take a number and step aside. You had to punch a hole in the roof. You had to elbow through a crowd. You had to beg, borrow, climb a tree to get to Jesus. But now with the Holy Spirit inside you, we're all first in line. You don't have to wait in line anymore. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And it brings us a comfort to know that whatever's going on in the world, that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us to bring us comfort. Another way that it brings us comfort is that we need somebody, if you love me, obey my commands, to tell us how this world works. I don't know if you've paid attention lately, but there are some different opinions about how the world works, about what's true and what's not true. We're literally being told with a straight face by our politicians, by media executives, that there is no such thing as a, a male or a female, that we're all the same and that a man can have a baby. And, and we're all like, whoa, 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 whoa. That, but the spirit of truth can bring us comfort in a world built on lies. Satan, the father of lies, is what Jesus said, that in a world built on lies, having the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, brings us comfort to know that there actually is truth in the world. His commands are not burdensome, right? Not being, un, like being unfaithful to my wife, like the command to like be faithful, to, to, to not commit adultery, that's not a burdensome command. It's not asking too much. It's in line with how we were designed. And whether it's Amazon or Netflix, whatever media company you want to insert, they're saying things right now that you can have as many partners as you want. The only thing right now is if you just, as long as everybody consents, that's okay. So in other words, the new law, the new rule is as long as everybody's okay with it, then, then it's okay. But that is not what Jesus said. Jesus said that it's not okay, and the fact of the matter is that it's not okay because he didn't design us that way. There's a show uh, recently called The Anarchists on HBO. It, uh, in fact, I don't know if Kim is here tonight. I don't know if you're... One of the producers of this show is, uh, lives here in town now. They're part of the exodus from uh, California. There were, there were grapes of wrath, but in reverse, like we're leaving California. And anyway, um, they produced this show, and the idea was that they went to this group in Mexico that they called the, uh, so it's the, how do I say this, Mo? The Arcapocos? Anarchipogo. Anarchipoco. Wow. Anarchists in Acapulco combined together. Moe's actually watched this from front to back. I haven't got to watch the whole series yet. But the idea was very simple. These anarchists go to Acapulco and this idea that now we're going to create this new society with no laws, no rules, no nothing. And the person that directed it was like, in fact, that's what this article in Wired Magazine talks about. The director was like, I thought it was going to be nothing. I thought we were going to get down there, have a couple of hours, whatever. And, and he realized that, no, that this ideology 
This, uh, that there is no laws, no rules, no, it turned into murder, it turned into deceit, it turned into uh, betrayal and thievery. And because, as he said at the end, that I think the lesson of this story is that no matter what belief system we hold on to, we cannot escape our own traumas and our own mental health issues and our own fractured relationships within our lives. Now, I would add, without Christ. This man doesn't know Christ, although the people that produced it do, but this is the point being that in a world that without laws, without rules, without like law, lawlessness, chaos, that is not a comforting place to be. And the comfort is, is that we serve a God that knows how we were designed, a God that knows what our, uh, the, the commands that we should obey. And by the way, Jesus says, and I'm going to sum them all up. I'm going to take all 613 of the Pharisee laws. I'm going to take 10 of the commandments. I'm going to take all those laws and say, if you'll just do these two, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. All of the others hang on those two. In other words, if you just focus on those two, the rest of them work themselves out. I'm going to make it easy. You don't have to remember 613. Remember two of them. And that is the comfort. That's the Holy Spirit's job is to give us the power and the comfort to push through in uncomfortable times. The second thing is wisdom. Anybody, verse 23, who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, will come to them, make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. He's going on and on to say that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Walking with and having a relationship with the Holy Spirit He reminds you. He teaches you. He's not an impersonal force. He's not a a helium, a gas that fills up a balloon. It's a person. And we know that he's a person because in a world where we're freaking out about pronouns, we should probably get this pronoun right. He will come to you. He, there is a pronoun because he is a person, not an impersonal force. And you and I have access to that force living inside, that person living inside of us. Now, I will say this. Remind you of all those things I said to you. Remind denotes that it has been minded before. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when you are in a band, you show up to rehearse. That is not the time to learn your parts. You learn them before, and now we show up to rehearse. Rehearse denotes that it has been hearsed before. Remind means that if you've spent time in the word, right, and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to show you that in the moment that you need it, and I've had this happen, I can't even, I've lost count of where something was brought to my mind by the Holy Spirit, but I had read it before, long forgotten about it, but the Holy Spirit brought it back to my mind, will remind you and give you the wisdom on how to move through life how to move through, how to follow Jesus. There's a book called The Comfort Crisis that I have read, and I'm actually just finished this afternoon. I'm going I'm to start it again. Um, Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. A comfort crisis meaning that we are in a world right now where we are as comfortable, we are more comfortable in Western culture than in any time in history. We have 
Beds, for the most part, I bet everybody in this room woke up in a bed. Maybe, you know, maybe you're young and single and your bed doesn't have a box spring, but it does have, there is a bed, there's a mattress. You have a, a, like a roof over your head, you've got walls. You went to the bathroom, you pushed a button and, the, and it just went away, like miraculously. You'd have to go out in the backyard and bury it. You, you went to the fridge and you got food, you, you, t- you hit the button and water came out that you drank. We are the most comfortable civilization in history and it's killing us. Because we were wired for adventure. We were wired for risk. And this book, Michael Easter makes this case that, look, the comfort that we've got is creating a giant crisis in us. And the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is this. He is a comforter, but he is not to make you comfortable. In fact, the Holy Spirit leads you into uncomfortable situations and comforts you in them. Because you said, Connor, you say you were a Marine, right? that was probably an uncomfortable situation for a while. Yeah, but it made you into who you are. Like being yelled at and called dog face, that's why I couldn't be a Marine on it. I got enough problems with this, but being called names, my, you know what I'm saying? I got enough going on in my life, but, but pushing you into something that was uncomfortable to make you into the man that you are today. The Holy Spirit will move you, push you, throw you sometimes into uncomfortable situations and comfort you while you're in the middle of them. Because it is not just because he is some sort of a masochist. It is because he wants you, he wants me to be the men and women that God has created us to be. He has created us to be that. And what Easter talks about is, um, by the way, not a believer so far as I know, but he says that we know now, he's talking about, um, he, by the way, the book, the, the underlying story is he spends like weeks hunting a moose in the bush of Alaska. No cell phone. I mean, they, you know, no way out of here. If, if you get hurt, they're going to just you know, dig a little hole and put a cross and someday maybe someone will come and visit, but you're not getting out of here alive. But he says that these types of experiences, whether it's for military guys or for just regular whoever, change who you are. And it says that we now know that the three-day effect doesn't wash off once we're back home. He talks about that just being in without your cell phone, without any technology, with whatever, for three days changes you, physiologically changes you. Scientists at UC Berkeley found that the U.S. military who spent four days rafting in southern Utah, were still feeling the effects a week later. They're, listen to this, PTSD PTSD symptoms, stress levels were down 29 and 21% respectively. Relationships, happiness, general satisfaction with their lives were all improved as well. He goes on to quote John Muir from 1901. Put it this way, 1901, don't miss that. Nerve-shaken, over-civilized people are beginning to find out that going to the mountains is going home. The wilderness is a necessity Mountain parks and reservations are useful not only as fountains of timber and irrigating rivers, but listen, as fountains of life. Humans began in a garden. We end in a garden. The wild, the outside, the very first thing the Holy Spirit did to Jesus after he was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended on him. Matthew 4.1 says, and then the Spirit led him into the wilderness. If the Holy Spirit has not led you outside yet, I suggest you listen a little closer. 
listen for those moments to get out and to pray, to, to pull away, to throw the phones into a can for a while and let that fall away from you. I believe, and I'm more and more in my life, I'm experiencing it personally, the reason we don't hear from the Holy Spirit like maybe you used to is because this is crowding out your ability to hear. Let the reader, let the listener hear and understand and let the Holy Spirit lead you. I'm not telling you to throw it away, but I am telling you that to hear the voice of the Spirit, you have to hear the voice. It's not in the giant whirlwind, right, was what we let Elijah learned, but it was in the still small voice. And the third thing that we get from the Holy Spirit is peace. Peace I leave with you. I do not give you as the world gives, because what does the world give us? Fear anxiety. The, the, we don't even, it's, it doesn't even hardly worth mentioning because it's so obvious and it's so talked about all the time. But what's happened in our culture, the most prosperous culture in history, the most comfortable culture in history, is we have record-setting anxiety, depression, suicide. It's all around us. And a myriad of causes, but it all starts with the fact that in the most connected world in history, we are as disconnected as any civilization ever. That's what the world is giving us. That's what Silicon Valley has given us. Jesus says, that is not what I am giving you. I am giving you peace. Comfort is, this is sad, this is scary. Comfort is, like I'm in a litigation moment here, but I got a lawyer. I've been, I don't know, anybody ever been sued before? Well, that's a blast. Like being deposed, you're like, man, I could kick this dude's butt 100% if we were outside. But we're not, so I have to sit here and take it from this guy. But I had my lawyer, and my lawyer, by the way, not a nice guy. Also not very cheap. In fact, at one point he said, Darren, I'm going to tell you this much. I am not your father. I am your lawyer. We're going to win this as long as you keep paying me. The minute you stop paying me, the minute that's the minute I stop working. And you know what? We did win. And we kept paying him. And every time he walked into the room, I felt a little more comforted because I was a scary situation. These people wanted to take my company, but I knew that I had my advocate, my paracletos with me, and I was comforted by having him in the room. He gave me wisdom, right? He gave that. But, and by the way, I had to pay him for it. He gave me peace because I'm like, okay, this is, an, I'm, this is a process I've never been before. Shannon and I were like 30 years old. We're 140 grand in my company trying to pay this guy to protect ourselves. By the way, whenever you hear somebody's been sued, you understand that doesn't mean they did anything wrong, right? You see that in our town right now. There's a, a, a very prominent voice and, and Jesus follower that's being sued and it's all over the newspapers and he's clearly must be a crook. Anybody can sue anybody for any reason. That didn't prove anything. But having a lawyer, right? Having an advocate gives you comfort. It gives you peace, right? It gives you wisdom. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. And part of the thing that the peace does is that now I know the truth. And because I know the truth, there's a peace involved in that. In fact, this is this is what the world would give you right here. Lex Friedman, does anybody know who Friedman is? That's what I thought. Like Two of us, okay, that's not bad. Anybody else? All right. Friedman might be one of the, if not the most brilliant minds on the planet and has the personality of a barn door. Just like literally is, his wife has got to be so lonely. Like he's just a head 
with a body walking around, just intelligent guy. And I say smart because this is what Friedman says, and his podcast is utterly fascinating. I care much less about what a woman is or a man is and much more about what a good human is and how to become one. He was responding to this controversy this week about what is a woman and this, this movie that's out, and this is his. But we, here's, uh, and by the way, the comedians have saved the day many times in history. And once again, in the last three years, when we're supposed to be, the scientists are supposed to be saving the day, it's the comedians that are saving the day. The ones taking the shots. And in the secular world, you've got your Bill Mars, you've got uh, the comedians out there. In our world, we've got Brad Stein. Like we've got comedians that are saving the day, speaking the truth to power. Unfortunately, that is not what our journalists are doing. But here's what a comedian, Seth Dillon, said, responded, the Babylon Bee guy. To care about what's good, you have to care about what's true. You cannot separate these things. Good people do not wage war on truth, turning kids into casualties. They defend the truth, and when a child is wrong, they do not affirm him. They correct and instruct him. The spirit of truth brings peace because that is our job as the spirit of truth. And you cannot, unfortunately, as brilliant as Lex Friedman is, it is a intellectually untenable position to say that I don't really care what a man or a woman is, I only care whether you're good. You cannot be a good person and not care about the truth. That is one of the most succinct and brilliant points and it's why the spirit of truth is who the Holy Spirit is for us. And in our world right now, we need that more than anything. We need the spirit of truth confirming what the Bible has already said, informing you how to speak, informing you of what you should and shouldn't do. Because in the Holy Spirit world, I don't know, do you shop at Target? Some of you said no. By the way, I don't know where the line was, but it's definitely way before tuck-friendly swimsuits. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that was, that was a line, we're done here. But here's why you need the Holy Spirit. Because if if that's your idea, there are many, 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 many companies that we have to deal with at that point. So you have to trust the Holy Spirit, and it is not your job nor my job to be Holy Spirit Junior to tell someone else to use, because this is the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not shop at Target. That's what we need the Holy Spirit for. And the Holy Spirit might tell you not to, but he might not have convicted someone else for that. That is none of your business. You are not Holy Ghost Junior. Now, I personally am pretty stoked about this because uh, I feel like, how much money do you think we're going to save if you don't shop at Target this year? <laughs> Tens of thousands? No. She hasn't shopped there in a long time. There's, that's my girl right there. That's my girl. I'm just saying, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit, but it might just be about your Dave Ramsey budget. That's all I'm saying. You might say, don't shop at Target. <laughs> I just got reacquainted with, uh, with Walmart. Um, you've got to let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. And don't try to be the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. There already is a Holy Spirit. And one of the greatest, most freeing moments you can have in your entire life is to retire your position as Holy Spirit Junior. Let the Holy Spirit do his job. And in the words of my father, uh, know your role, shut your hole. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. <laughs> You are good to us, Father. You did not leave us as orphans. The Holy Spirit inside of us is better than Jesus beside of us. 
And you, Holy Spirit, we are now the temple of you, the temple of the Spirit on this earth. You still speak. You are still here. And we are so eternally grateful for that. Lord, let us go out of here today filled with your presence and filled with your Spirit. And for those that want more, Lord, as we ask for more, that you just baptize us in your Spirit this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.